Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. TJ Newman is the author of Drowning, The Rescue of Flight 1421, a novel. TJ is a former bookseller and flight attendant whose first novel, Falling, became a publishing sensation and debuted at number two on the New York Times bestseller list. By the way, my son loved this book. The book was named a best book of the year by USA Today, Esquire, and Amazon, among many others, and has been published in more than 30 countries. The book will soon be a major motion picture from Universal Pictures. TJ lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Drowning is her second novel, and I was so lucky that right before this interview, well, actually, you'll probably hear it after, I realized she lived in Arizona, and we made a plan to get together, and she ended up coming to this dinner party I was invited to, and she is just as wonderful in person as you would think in this episode, so enjoy. Welcome, TJ. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your latest book, Drowning. 
Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited. I made the mistake of starting to read this on an airplane. And I was like, it's totally fine. I know it's coming. I can read it on the plane. No worries. And then I was like, no, this is not going well. <laughs> you know, people say that all the time. You know, it's like, oh, I've got a trip coming up. I can't read it. And my my thought is always, well, I wrote these books, you know, my first book. And now this one, like I wrote them on planes. I feel like it's like being on like a Disneyland ride. You know, you've got like the yes. the sounds and the the smells and the feeling, you know, the turbulence. It's sort of yes. like the even more immersive experience. It's true. It's like a virtual reality book. Exactly. In fact, we should advise people only read it on planes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you want the real experience, if you want the edge of your seat, literally <laughs> experience. <laughs> Oh my It'll God. make the flight go faster, right? It absolutely did. Yeah. <laughs> I was so blown away by your mechanical knowledge of the plane. Like, you know, everything about like every piece of equipment. And I know you were a flight attendant to start, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're like, uh, I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do know. You go into a lot of details of the plane and machinery and how everything works and all of that. Thank you. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it surprised a lot of people with my first book, Falling, that sort of behind the curtain look at the world of flight attendants. And I don't think a lot of people realize that flight attendants are first and foremost safety professionals. If you could see the the training manual that we use and that we carry with us on, on our trips, it's like an 800 page document that we have to know backwards. So, you know, all of all of that foundation of my experience as a flight attendant, I flew for 10 years. It's really fun to now put it into this um, sort of big, you know, fictitious world and, and have those two worlds kind of come together. With regards to the piloting side of things and the actual, you know, mechanics of flying an aircraft, I'm not a pilot, but I became very close friends with, you know, a lot of pilots as after flying for a decade and I would call them and I would consult with them. I kind of have, I call them my phone of pilot friends that <laughs> I call and ask questions to about, you know, like, okay, so if I wanted this to happen, then what if I did this? And, and they would walk me through sort of the mechanics of how to make the scenario of the book happen. It's so crazy that flight attendants are such safety experts, know so much, are in charge of your lives, and yet people are like, can I just have some more Diet Coke? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so misaligned in terms of expertise and and how they're deployed in the plane, you know? It's like, oh, have the ambulance drivers, like, hand out, like, lollipops in the waiting room or something, you know? I know exactly what you mean. And it's this weird paradox of if you never see a flight attendant doing their job, that's a great day. Because mm. what you typically see a flight attendant do is service, which is a service that we provide. That's not what we're there for. We love bringing you a Diet Coke. We love <laughs> bringing you your, your chicken entree. We love you know passing out the, the, the pretzels. We love that because it means we're not doing what we're actually there for, which is attending to a medical emergency, attending to a mechanical crisis, attending to any sort of crisis, because we are there first and foremost as safety and security professionals. That's just it. Full stop. That's the end of the story. And so it's been really validating for an industry that I love so much, so much so that I've written you know, several books on the industry because I find it so fascinating and wonderful to hear that nod of respect to a position that is all too often dismissed and and not seen for what it is. 
How much training did you go through yourself and how much recurring training? Is it like doctors where they have to get recertified all the time? Yep. We go through initial training and each airline has their own sort of parameters with which they do it. The airline that I started with, which was Virgin America, we did a six-week training course in which you're there every single day, all day long. There is you know, practical physical testing. There is uh, written testing. And if you get below, I believe it's 90% on a test, you have to retake the test at the next morning. And if you don't retake at 100%, you're kicked out of class. Wow. The standards with which you are held are exceptionally high. And then every year we do an annual recurrent training, which is a multi-day course in which you come together and get retested on everything in your manual to make sure that you are current and up to date with what you need to know. Interesting. Well, it shows in your character, Molly, who you say she's learned this so many times that it became totally automatic. So when the crisis happened, she could say like, go this way or go to the store and do this. And she didn't even have to think about it. Exactly. That's the entire point of the way that flight attendants are trained, which is how a lot of safety professionals are trained is so that those procedures in the event of a crisis, they're there. You can be thinking about and focusing on other things that are the extenuating circumstances of that particular situation because everything else is hardwired. You're on autopilot. You don't even have to think about it. You're screaming, you know, your commands, you're you're showing people where to go while your brain is somewhere else. So in structuring drowning, you have all these different characters in every seat, which is fascinating because I'm always wondering what the backstory of every person on an airplane really is anyway, right? Like who, what is up with them and how are they related? And like, what's their story, right? Do you just- You'd make a great flight attendant. I always call it, (laughs) I always said it was like a job where I was paid to be a a professional people watcher because that's exactly, (laughs) that's where these stories come from is I, you know, for 10 years, I would sit and look out at these passengers and think, what's their deal? Why are they, you know, they seem to be fighting or what is that? person traveling to, you know, it's, it's just, it's a never ending source of potential. Yeah. With a constantly rotating cast. Yeah. Really fun. <laughs> but how did you narrow it down? Like, how did you decide which roles would be filled by who? Like the blue polisher guy here and the child traveling alone. And do you know what I mean? Like, how did you figure out who did you want to star in your, in your movie and also your book? <laughs> I guess. That's- That's really interesting. You know, I've never thought about how I came to each character's, why they were there. But I guess, you know, these are all characters that I flew with. I took care of unaccompanied minors for 10 years. And in the back of my mind was always that protective position of, gosh, if something goes goes wrong in the unlikely event that something goes wrong, I'm responsible for that child. And, you know, your protective, you know, maternal instinct really kind of takes over and you realize this this is going to be tough because I'm going to be also responsible for everybody else on this plane, but this little child is also with me. And so I wanted to put that into this story and it has a nice mirror component in the story and that there is another little girl on the plane, but her yes. father's there. And the way that they all, all the 12 passengers who are inside the plane at the bottom of the ocean, they take on a family component and they take care of each other and, you know, they look out for each other. And they also, like a family, they also fight and have competing agendas and have ulterior motives. So it's, I always described a plane as like a classic bell curve, right? Like on every plane that you fly on, you're going to have sort of a little bit of a sampler platter of 
all cross sections of humanity. And I just narrowed that bell curve down to 12 people and kind of said, well, what are the different spectrum of people that you would run into in a situation like this? And the the book really is also, and this is what I'm so fascinated with, because it's, I did the same thing with falling. And I sort of realized after I wrote the second book, I'm like, oh, I think this is kind of my thing right now is, is ordinary people Mm -hmm. in extraordinary circumstances. And I'm fascinated by, just like you said, when you're on a plane and you're, you're, you're looking at the people and you're trying to do that Rorschach test and figure them (laughs) out, what would these people like you, like me, ordinary people in an extremely heightened situation, what do we do? What do we do? And I'm fascinated by what the answer is to that. Cause I think we all discover parts of ourselves that we didn't know were there when we're in hot water. And I, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. Even like people who froze, like the people in the book, you know, you don't know what they were going to do. They either froze or the people who were pushing people out of the way or, you know, you don't, and shock plays into it too, right? When you're in things like this and then Will like stepping up and being totally hero with the, in, like all of his knowledge and like, this is what we're doing. Like who... Would I be like that? Maybe. (laughs) I don't know enough, but (laughs) I do like controlling things. That's exactly it. That what you just said is exactly it. Would I do that? And I think that that's why it's been so lovely to see. And I think that that's why with, with both of my books now, people relate to them in a way that's a little bit closer than, than other big, you know, action thriller books like this, because there is that component of I'm placing myself in that. Like, I love to read a book or see a movie about, you know, an astronaut in outer space, but I'm not going to space. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not in the cards for me. So there's a little bit of distance there, but I'm on a plane all the time. And so are you. And so when people read these stories, I think the psychic distance between the character's experience and your own, it closes in. And I think when you can overlay your your own personal lived experience mm-hmm. on a story, for me, it just enriches it. It just, it just makes it better. And I think it's a natural gateway to exactly what you said, Zibby, which is, well, what would I do? I don't know. If I'm in a situation like this, how would I react? And we don't know. So it's fun to kind of live that experience through a lot of different people and see how they do it and, and sort of try it on for size safely from, you know, the comfort of your couch where you can just put the book down or, you know, if you if you want to, it's, it's a fun exercise. Wow. Back to the screen adaptations that we were talking about. So what is the latest with Falling? Drowning just sold in this massive deal. You must be so excited. It was all over the news. So where are you with all of those and how are you balancing all of it? And I'm assuming you're already writing new books. Like, how are you dealing with everything? Sleep is a is a fun concept that I remember from a past life, I think. Um, I don't, <laughs> I, you know, sleep, I haven't heard that name in forever, but um, you know, it's been it's been incredible. I'm still reeling from the the entire experience of the film sale for drowning. It was a week-long process where I was on Zoom calls with people like Nicole Kidman, which is absolutely <laughs> insane. My <laughs> my agent called me and it was like, you know, sometimes he could only call for like 30 seconds because everything was happening so fast. And he was like, he called me and he's like, get ready. 15 minutes. You might be on a Zoom call with Nicole Kidman. Get ready. <laughs> and then just like hangs up. And I'm standing there with like the phone to my ear, like, 
like the Nicole what and Zibi I feel like you might appreciate this the first thought that came to my mind was I have to wash my hair I I was literally just gonna say did you like run to do your makeup like what what is the first thing you do after that (laughs) exactly I was like I can't I you know we women and their hair you know we've all got there's there's a schedule there's stuff and it wasn't you know a day in my schedule that I would have wanted to have met Nicole Kidman so that was you know I've got 15 minutes and the first thing on my mind is I've got to wash my hair that just shows you how out of body the entire experience was and for the record she was the loveliest, most genuine, most sincere, down to earth, really smart, really, it was, she just, she was very, very cool. But yeah, it's like, I'm still reeling from that. The fact that both of my books have been optioned for film is just, you know, beyond a dream control come true. Cause like, I definitely never even dreamed that big. Like that is, it's just, I, I truly don't know how to, to wrap my mind around it. It's crazy. And, and following my first book, I'm also adapting. I'm writing the screenplay, which has been a wildly big learning experience. It has been the most fascinating and interesting process to learn a different language. It really is. Writing a screenplay really is learning a different language. Because um, you've got, you know, in a, in a book, you've got 10 pages to tell a scene. And in a script, you've got one. So it's the art of compression, right? How do you take a story that took t- 10 pages to say what you meant to say and get every single thing across in one. And it is, it's a high wire act and it is extremely difficult. And I'm just, I'm really interested to see how it's also affecting my fiction writing, my novels. And it has, cause it really forces you to hone in on, well, what's the story? Mm-hmm. If I don't have the luxury of all those words, what am I actually trying to say? If I only have so many words to say it, I better know exactly what it is that I'm trying to say. And it's really helped my novel writing process. It's so interesting. I was We did this retreat in Charleston last weekend and Mary Alice Monroe, who's this beautiful, like descriptive Southern writer, um, does a lot of environmental writing. She was saying how when she reads a book that has too much dialogue, she'll say, oh, th- this is not a book. This is a screenplay. You know, like... Oh, interesting. I know. So people come at it from all different ways. She's like, I love the description. I feel like that's what makes the novel. She's like, but many novels now, because of attention spans and what people want, have far less description than they used to. So she said she's actually scaled back on her description a bit. Interesting. And and to that point, she's exactly right. And they're totally different mediums. And I think that's why, you know, there's often, there's so often this conversation of like, oh, the book is better than the movie or, you know, the movie's better than the book. And I think that some of that is that there's things that work in a book that just won't play on a movie and vice versa. And that doesn't make one better or worse. It's just a reality of the medium in which the story is being told. A a film is a, (laughs) to sound, you know, on the nose, it is a moving picture. Mm -hmm. You are only Mm -hmm. aware of what you are told and what you, what you see, right? It's a moving picture. Whereas with a novel, you get into those beautiful descriptions. You get to get into the skin of the character and know their thoughts. Whereas unless in a movie, a character says, I am thinking this, you don't know what they're thinking. Yeah. And so they're just totally different mediums, both of which are just fascinating to me, the different ways there are to tell the same story. And that's what was so cool about that whole process with the 
you know, with the film sale was I got pitched by these incredible filmmakers of what their vision for what this story for Drowning could be as a movie. And this is a story that I know intimately, that I've spent so much time with. I know it, you know, backwards and forwards. And here are these brilliant creative minds saying, yeah, but have you thought of it like this? And it was just like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and it's really good. You know, that's really good. That's why you are, you know, in the position that you're in. It's just, it's fascinating to see all the different creative approaches to a story. It's so funny. I'm imagining it like an old-fashioned like ad agency pitch where they come in and like give you the sample ads. You know, like, here's drowning this way. Here's drowning that way. You know, like, that's, try it on this whiteboard or I don't know. <laughs> that's what it was. And it was so, it was so inspiring to see these people. It made me want to work harder than I've ever worked just to keep having opportunities like that because it was just so inspiring to see these people come up with such incredible ideas like that. And they were all varied and everybody had, you know, a passionate pitch and it was a nearly impossible decision to make. Never mind the fact that I had to convince myself every single day that it's like, okay, this is actually happening and you should, you know what I mean? There's that yeah. disbelief that's like, I just can't believe any of this is happening either, but I don't have time to to, <laughs> to deal with the emotional disbelief and imposter syndrome. It's like, no, own it, own the moment, lean into it and just, just go, which is not always, you know, we don't win every day that, that. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So do you have others in this series? Like, are you going to keep doing different flights or how are you going to, what's your plan here? You know, I'm I'm loving working in this space, and um, both both novels are standalone novels. The only character that carried over, which I wasn't even intentional, I sort of just realized it after the fact, was the airline that these incidents have happened on. This completely fictitious airline, coastal airline, um, that that you know these terrible things happen to their flights. Um, that's it. The, the, everything else is is separate. So. Um, 
I've got a few more stories that I do want to tell. I mean, you don't work in an industry as fascinating and incredible as aviation for 10 years and only walk away with yeah. a couple good ideas. So I've got I've got a few more ideas. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I know I was thinking like, what are they, you know, what ING word will they be? Will they always follow this uh, at least naming convention or, you know, sync? I don't know. Anyway, I won't give you my bad ideas of, of other titles, but. <laughs> my own. I told my agent, like, you know, when we were in the process and uh, you know this, when you hit a point in the process where you're like, you're tired, the characters aren't behaving as you want them to. This is, you don't know how they're going to get out of this situation. Everything was just like, I don't have an answer. And I told my agent, I'm like, the next book is called Napping. And <laughs> People taking a nap and then going for coffee and just sitting around having like chill conversations. That's it. That's that's the book because I was just over it. So funny. You should do something with that. Make it a little magazine. Do like a gift with, I, I don't know, an insert. It's so funny. It's, it's a Mother's Day special edition of napping. That's what you should do. Yeah. Hurry, hurry and get it out. When you were little, like, did you want to write? Like, was this a lifelong thing or it just came from the things you saw and the need to get them down in some way? Oh, absolutely. I've, I'm a voracious reader. I've read and wrote my entire life. Um, my first creative dream that I pursued was to be an actress. I got a degree in musical theater and then I moved to New York and did my best at becoming a Broadway star. And considering that we are not having a conversation about <laughs> my next, you know, big role, you can guess how well that attempt went. It was nothing but failure, nonstop failure. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, hey, you know, that's, that's, that's showbiz, baby. You know, it's, it's that's, <laughs> it was, it was hard. It was really hard. And I, I ended up leaving and moving back home to Phoenix and I moved in with my parents and I'm now, you know, at that point doing the mid twenties, living in their childhood bedroom with a degree in musical theater, who was just told by everyone in musical theater that you're not good enough. You know, what do I do now? And it was at that point that I got a job at Changing Hands Bookstore, an indie bookstore up the street from, from my parents' house. and. I would not be here right now if I had not had that experience as a bookseller at Changing Hands. It it saved me creatively and it saved my future because it was the first time after that that I let myself dream again and let myself say, you are a creative person. You will always be a creative person. This is an outlet for you to do that. And so I started writing again because I'd kind of put it down when I was in New York pursuing theater and it let me be creative on my own terms. Nobody knew I was writing. Nobody knew I was dreaming of being a published writer. I used to, when I was shelving books by an author with my last name, Newman, I used to take my thumb and cover their first name as I shelved <laughs> it. And I would pretend that it was my book, but I didn't tell anybody this. I didn't tell me, nobody knew because I'd already done the public, you know, I'm following my dreams and I'm going to do something incredible. And I fell flat on my face and I was, I was hurt. And so I was licking my wounds. And so I privately began to dream and my time at the bookstore, let me do that. And I'm forever grateful for that. And I wouldn't be here without it. And I left the bookstore to be a flight attendant. My mom was a flight attendant. My sister was a flight attendant. We call it the family business. So when the opportunity came up, I knew I had to take it. So I left and I, and I, 
became a flight attendant. And I'm so glad I did because it was at work on a flight that I had the idea for falling. And I started writing that book by hand in the forward galley, you know, on red eyes while my passengers slept. And somehow that turned into a number two on the New York Times bestseller list. And now my second book, Drowning, is coming out at the end of May and two movie deals. And none of it happens without a long path of failure. And that time in the bookstore that that let me dream again and let me find what my path truly was. That's amazing. And now you could sing and dance your way through one of these films. There you, you could go. Give yourself I'm, a starring role, you know? Never know. You could change you things up a little bit. Drowning the musical, you know, in, in the circumstances <laughs> the, the passengers are in, I'm not sure, you know, starting a full-blown stage musical would have helped the situation, but you know. Nothing like jazz hands. You never know. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All your dreams in one. Oh my gosh. Well, do you have any advice for aspiring authors? I know that was sort of advice already in terms of not giving up your dreams and sort of pursuing opportunities in life because life often gives more material to write about Um, or processing failure. But even from the writing itself, like you could have been writing and it could have been not good. Do you know what I mean? Like, how did you, how do you make sure what you're writing is actually good and riveting and attention grabbing and all the things that you do so well? I think you start by writing things that are bad and not attention grabbing and not good. And then you just work on them until they are. You start with a good idea and you just persist. You know, I really do think if I can give any advice to any aspiring writer, it's that keep going. It's going to be bad. It's going to be hard. Look, falling was rejected by 41 agents. I didn't get anybody to even take a look at this book in a serious way until my 42nd agent submission. I know that you have that legacy too of, of <laughs> yeah, you, you're you nodding. I, you're nodding because you're I like, know. yeah, I've been there. I get that. And I, I love too what I love about your story. And my story too is that model, that example of who says not you? You know, mm. why not you? Why can't it be you? And and I feel like, especially as women, we get into our own minds too much and we say like, oh, I hadn't done it by the time I was, you know, 25. Because that's what everybody likes to tell you, you know, the hot, you know, the new 25 under 25. And it's like, oh, I passed that. So therefore I can't do it. And I don't have a degree in this, or I don't have the right connections, or I don't have this, or I don't have that. And we believe these narratives and we shouldn't. There's no, I didn't know anybody in publishing. I didn't know anybody in film. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know anything about anything. I literally bought a book called The Essential Guide to Getting Your Book Published, and I read it and followed the directions. (laughs) And along the way, it was nothing but failure and rejection, just like you. (laughs) And, you know, but we're here. And I think it's because we just kept going, reinventing ourselves. You you know, the, the podcast was kind of out of nowhere. And now look at what it's grown into. Oh, I mean, this. By the way, do you do you have the same twenty four that the rest of us do? Because I don't know how you get done everything that you get done. (laughs) When I look at your Instagram, I'm just like, is she? Does she have a time turner like Hermione Granger? Like, how is she? How is she doing this? I'm I'm so impressed. Thank you. I do have a team that helps, but. Not with the podcast, really. Although that's not true. I guess with the descriptions and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. We all are just doing our best and hustling and trying to, you know, use what opportunities come our way. I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited. Like, it's hard to stop. 
I think that's exactly it too, is like use whatever opportunities come your way. It's like you exemplify to me a person who, when opportunity comes, you grab it with both hands and it may come from an unexpected place. It may be, you know, a podcast that you weren't thinking and now it's grown into this, or it may be for me, like an idea that I had in a galley on a plane that is now turned into this. It's like, find that spark where you go, Ooh, that's something. And then grab it with both hands and don't let go. Hang on and don't let go. Surround yourself with the team, like you said, people that believe in you and just keep going. You're inspiring me. I got to go do something else now. I'm going <laughs> to I'm not sure that's possible, but boy, if anybody could, it would be oh you. Gosh. You're it so sweet. You. You're so sweet to even know what I'm doing. And I have so much respect for you. And yours was one of, I think, three books I gave my teenage son who was like, I don't feel like reading. And I was like, you're not reading the right stuff. You're just not reading the right books. You have to find the right book. And when you do, you won't be able to put it down and you will love reading. And he loved your book and couldn't put falling down and was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like, it was awesome. It was amazing. And he got so into it. And then he started reading the other books I gave him. Oh, I'm not even kidding. I'm not kidding. You have made my day. I feel like there's the two stamps of approval that I really, really cherish is like the teenager stamp of approval who's getting into reading and the father-in-law stamp of approval. Those are the two that I feel like people say that I'm like, okay, that's like a, that's a hard to reach demographic. That's a very difficult reach uh, demographic wise. So that, oh, that means the world to me. Tell your son, thank you. Thank you. That means so, so much to me. I will. I will give him now that I'm, now that I'm done, I'll give him this one. Um, all right. Well, that was so much fun. You're not still in Phoenix, are you? Where are you based now? I am still in Phoenix. Yep. I'm coming there on Saturday. (laughs) On this Saturday? Yeah. I'm going to the Mom 2.0 conference. Do you know about that? It's in, um, and my mom lives in Carefree outside Scottsdale. I don't know about the Mom 2.0 conference. What, what is that? Oh my gosh. You should be speaking at it. I wonder if they have room. I'll put you in touch with the founders. Like all these influencer moms and marketers and brands and all of this who come together and have panels and keynotes and dinners and you should be a part of it. It's so fun. I would love to be. Yes, please. This sounds amazing. Okay. Yeah. It starts Sunday night and it ends Tuesday, but I'll be, I have like a panel Monday afternoon and then I'll fly back home, but I'll be there for Sunday. I'm going to put you in touch. Yeah. Oh, I would, I would love that. I would also love to see. You. I'm so excited to come to to the store at at the end of my tour. I am. I'm so glad you made time for that. Oh my gosh. I was flipping out. I'm so excited. Oh, of course. Of course. I couldn't, I was, oh, I'm just so excited. The shop looks so incredible. And the events that you guys have put on look just, just amazing. You don't usually see people sort of respond quite like they responded to some of the events that I've seen at at your store. So I I can't wait to be there. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.